Welcome back to part two of our two-part episode on protecting your kidney health with Dr. Kevin Lowry. If you haven't had the chance to listen to part one yet, make sure to tune into that one first so you won't miss any of this invaluable information on how to best protect your kidney health. Let's jump in. We'll have people who come in with, you know, maybe just slightly abnormal, very early chronic kidney disease. And they say, oh, don't worry, you know, since, since I, my primary doctor asked me to come over here, I've, I've eliminated all potassium and all phosphorus and, and they come in and their, their potassium is actually low now. And, you know, and, and I say, you know, that is for our advanced chronic kidney disease patients. I want to focus on, again, if say they're hypertensive or diabetic, let's focus on those sort of dietary modifications. I'll, I'll let you know if, and when your potassium starts going up or your phosphorus or your magnesium or any of those things. And we'll address that in real time. And, Cause yeah, it, it, at that very early stage, it's way more important to focus on the dietary changes that can, can alter what caused this in the first place, not the stuff that we're going to see in advanced, advanced chronic kidney disease. Yeah. The kidneys are so remarkable because they receive such a high amount of blood flow. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's about 25% of your cardiac output is filtered through your kidneys. Yes. So that is a considerable amount of blood flow. And you can imagine if you're high, if you have high blood pressure, the glomeruli are these, you know, these little kind of the little units in your kidneys that are filters, they're constantly getting exposed to this really high blood pressure and they're fragile and, you know, they're going to start sclerosing and fibrosing and things like that. And that's going to lead to kidney disease. yeah, no, it's, it, 25% is correct. And another way to think about it is you have about five liters of blood in your body on average, and you filter about 180 liters a day. So you're, you're filtering your entire blood volume about 36 times a day. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a tremendous amount. Tremendous amount. So awesome. What about supplements as far as kidney health? There's not, you know, in, anything in particular that, you know, has been shown to necessarily aid. I mean, I know a lot of people think they'll, they'll come in and they'll say, oh, you know, you have, you know, you've had high blood pressure that wasn't controlled for a long time and your creatinine's now a little high. This is what we're going to focus on. And I want to, you know, get your blood pressure. And they say, oh, well, I, I'm going to take cranberry. And, and, you know, and, and cranberry, it has some, some, you know, helps prevent bacteria from, from sticking to the bladder wall, things along those lines, potentially to help UTI management or prevention. But it, it, I think there's just this sort of word association, but you know, it's not like drinking cranberry juice fixes chronic kidney disease. So, you know, there, there's not much there. If anything, almost the one thing that I will make a, a point of is, is that we do have some patients, especially as they have more advanced chronic kidney disease. And I know at some point, I think we're going to discuss electrolytes and those sorts of things, but a lot of the, the supplements you can get over the counter, therefore people who have presumed normal kidney function. And so we can, we sometimes do see issues with people taking various XYZ supplements and we, we'll see their potassiums are getting high or their calcium. A lot of people take, you know, extra calcium and vitamin D for various reasons. But if you do have abnormal kidney function, those are things you have to at least share a minimum with your, with your team, but potentially maybe not even a, a great idea. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's good to know. So maybe we'll talk about those because, you know, the, the supplements that, I think of are the ones that I mentioned previously in other podcasts that really you should, you know, everyone should consider taking, but you take it. And we always make the caveat 
to take it with the knowledge that your primary care doctor knows about it. Because Swear, this, yeah. it, it, and as, as Kevin mentioned, you know, like if you have CKD and you're taking high doses of vitamin D, it could lead to yeah, you can get hyper, hypercalcemic very, very easily. You can get vitamin D toxic and hypercalcemia, potassium, even things like what would seem relatively harmless, but you know, people, if they're constipated, you know, a lot of the over-the-counter products have high phosphorus content or magnesium content, and they can actually cause problems. When you have chronic kidney disease, there, there are case reports of people using phosphorus laxatives and enemas and you know, that phosphorus builds up so quickly and deposits and causes acute kidney injury on top of their chronic kidney disease. And it's so, so those things definitely, if, if you have chronic kidney disease, we always tell everybody, please call us for any new medicine, even over the counter stuff. Just, yeah. Just, so, you know, the, the, the one, the supplements that I always recommend vitamin D, magnesium glycinate rather than oxalate, omega-3 fatty acids, a good multivitamin, curcumin. I mean, these are all basic supplements, but if you have CKD, you know, definitely speak with your nephrologist because as you just mentioned, Kevin, vitamin D you should be maybe concerned about magnesium. You should be concerned about. This um, needs to be watched, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the good news is those are all very measurable things. Right. Yeah. yeah. You just got to watch them. Yeah, absolutely. And then potassium, you know, used to be many years ago that we would take more potassium than sodium. The sodium was less prevalent, but now things have switched down to 180 where we eat much more sodium now than yep. potassium. But if you have chronic kidney disease, you know, you can, you can have consequences of eating too much potassium and many people have to, have to monitor. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. I said, and too much sodium. Yeah. And, and, and sodium. Yeah. yeah. Definitely can be an issue. Yeah. It, we, you have to really frequently watch both, but for the majority of our patients, we, we still focus on the less sodium, less sodium, less sodium. And then if potassium becomes an issue, we'll, we'll do that. And that, that's maybe one thing to mention here too, is again, cause a lot of people, when they, if they find out they have abnormal kidney function or the, you know, CKD, they'll g get online and, and kind of start looking. And, and if you look up a kidney diet, people very frequently talk about, you know, limiting potassium or limiting phosphorus because those things are cleared by your kidneys and in advanced chronic kidney disease, they can build up and, and phosphorus can cause a whole slew of problems, but usually those are, are less dangerous, but obviously high potassium can, can lead to cardiac arrhythmias and can kill you. And so we'll have people who come in with, you know, maybe just slightly abnormal, very early chronic kidney disease. And they say, oh, don't worry, you know, since, since I, my, primary doctor asked me to come over here. I've, I've eliminated all potassium and all phosphorus and, and they come in and their, their potassium is actually low now. And, you know, and, and I say, you know, that is for our advanced chronic kidney disease patients. I want to focus on, again, if say they're hypertensive or diabetic, let's focus on those sort of dietary modifications. I'll, I'll let you know if, and when your potassium starts going up or your phosphorus or your magnesium or any of those things. And we'll address that in real time. Cause yeah, it, it, at that very early stage, it's way more important to focus on the dietary changes that can, can alter what caused this in the first place, not the stuff that we're going to see in advanced, advanced chronic kidney disease. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a great point because I mean, it is important to eat a high potassium diet. Potassium is found in a lot of greens and, you know, vegetables and yeah. things of that sort. So you want to eat those types of foods. So don't be, 
don't be scared to do that. You know, if you're if you're healthy, obviously you don't don't consider that at all. Right. It's really as as Kevin mentioned, it's really you know kind of more of the late stage chronic kidney disease, and that's why you just have to see your primary care doc. Right. In the last, like said, these, last. Measure, these are measure, yeah, these are measurable things. We'll let you know yeah. it's time to hey, let's start curbing this or cut back a little on that. Yes. Okay. Awesome. All right. So let's get to some other questions that people often think about when it comes to kidneys. What about thirst? Should you only drink when you're thirsty? How how much should you hydrate? Yeah. So the 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 short answer for the most part is yes. Drink to thirst when. You know, there those sayings been around forever, the eight, eight ounce glasses of water sort of a thing that a lot of people discuss. The biggest part of that came from, I wrote it down because I couldn't remember the year, 1945, the U.S. Food and Nutrition Board came up with a recommendation based on sort of your metabolic needs. And they said about 2.5 liters a day. And if you convert liters to ounces, that's sort of where that eight, eight ounce glasses of water is coming from. But what kind of got missed in that, because that recommendation sort of made the press was that they said majority of this, potentially up to 70, 80% comes from foods we already eat. And there's certainly not an appreciation for that. Like your point though, you know, if you're eating a, a well-balanced, healthy diet, that's lots of fruits and vegetables. I mean, think about cucumber, tomato, melons, you know, these things are loaded with water, yeah. things that we don't totally appreciate. Even a baked potato is like 70% water. So, I mean, it, you're getting a, a fair amount of water, but but people have, that aspect of it got lost. And so people think, okay, in addition to everything I'm eating and drinking, I need to take in my two and a half liters of water. And and that doesn't really, you know, there, there's no data that that's going to be extra beneficial. And there's even actually some data that, that shows that it, that proves that it doesn't. They've taken patients who had chronic kidney disease and, and and sort of randomize them into a high water intake. This was a study done in Canada, a high water intake. And these people ended up having drinking a little over a liter more a day and having urine output of well over half a liter more than the other side of the arm per day. And it had no impact on their progression of chronic kidney disease. So this isn't something you sort of like drink your way out of. Listen to your body. With, with the, the one caveat there is we do tend to have, we have very intact sense of thirst as you sip your water, that does wane a little bit as we age. And so that is worth noting. And so in, in our elderly population, I will sometimes, especially if their family says, hey, you know, I don't think they drink a lot. I will say, okay, you know, sometimes you can cue them and say, hey, you know, maybe just bring a glass of water close to them. And, you know, maybe they'll take a sip then versus, you know, having that innate sort of thirst mechanism that tells them to go get water. Or maybe it's not strong enough to make them want to get up and go get it because it's not as easy for them. But right. for everyone else, your sense of thirst is is strong, you know, and and if you listen to your body, you'll you'll do fine. Yeah, and I'll just add to that, you know, you know that this is the data is looking at endpoints, you know, like you're looking at maybe an endpoint of worsening kidney disease, or you know some other some other measurable endpoint, but not necessarily subjective well being. So. I always tell people to hydrate and a good way to check your hydration status is to look at your urine. In Absolutely. Fact, yeah. If it's very dark, you know that you're not hydrated enough. You should be peeing yes. clear urine. And that's kind of a way you can look at, check it yourself. Just continue to drink, especially if you are, you know, you're working out, you're building muscle, which, you know, we're going to talk about in this podcast as well, but you really need to hydrate yourself. You need Absolutely. to kind of 
flush your flush your muscles, you know, kind of get rid of the lactic acid buildup. It's so important if you're exercising just for your overall health to just stay hydrated. So that's just, you know, one thing I want to add. Yeah, um, absolutely. No, and 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 I, I tell people too, I say if you're only drinking when you're thirsty, then that means you're actually always chasing it a little bit too. Like yeah. you're, you're, you know, if you never, ever feel thirsty, then yeah, maybe you could back down a little bit. You know, if it's, if you're like, man, I pee four times a night because I drink so much. You're like, all right, well, if you never, maybe you could back down a little bit. But if you're always only drinking because you're thirsty, that's not that great either. There's some, you know, kind of data out there potentially as well. And, and some specific diseases, things we talk about, like Mesoamerican nephropathy, where we think that chronic long duration dehydration, people like, you know, working in, you know, manual labor, agricultural areas, potentially who have just long runs of, of being dehydrated. And then maybe they catch up at night, but for six, eight, 10 hours a day, they're dehydrated. That, that, that likely is maybe causing some injury there. That's obviously like in a very extreme measure, but to that end is sort of where I say, if, if you're only drinking the thirst, that's not ideal either. Right. Right. And we see that we, in the hospital, we see hypovolemic kidney injury, you know, not infrequently. Right. I mean, it's maybe, maybe along that spectrum. Right. Totally. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like, it's like a minor level of that for a long period of time. And so you end up getting these, these, you know, permanent injuries. Yes. And something I recommend as well is waking up in the morning putting some lemon in some water and mixing it with a little bit of salt. You add these, you know, electrolytes and the lemon to help absorb water a little bit better. If you, if you don't, if you drink straight water, it's typically fine, but you don't, you're not absorbing as, as well as if you mix some of that in. So there's, there's a lot of, I guess, hoopla around this hydration multiplier that's out there. It's like in these packets, right. you put them in water and Everybody's like, oh yeah, this one glass means you know equals two, right. and it's it's actually in fact just sugar and and electrolytes, and it's really not good for you. So if you just do lemon, a little bit of, little bit of salt, I mean that's that's perfect. That's and it, it it goes down well. Sometimes a lot of you know people just they drink straight water as well. It, it the full it, it doesn't feel like it absorbs quickly, but if you do something like I just mentioned, it goes down much easier. That's good advice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the next thing, alcohol consumption, you know, people often drink and pee a lot and they're like, oh man, it's just because I'm hydrating, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm peeing, but that's not true. Can you explain to us what happens there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and they also think that because when you drink, you pee, that alcohol is actually cleared by your kidneys, but it is clear, you know, is cleared by your liver. And so your liver is doing all the work or taking all of the sort of responsibility for that just as a, an aside, but yeah. So when you drink alcohol, what happens is your, the alcohol actually blocks a hormone called antidiuretic hormone ADH. And what ADH is responsible for is holding on to water when your body needs water. It does, it, it, it works in the very final parts of the filters in the kidneys, the sort of, or the tubules of the kidneys and it, and it makes your body hold on to water. And so it just, if that is blocked, what you do is you end up just losing a lot of water. So while, yeah, beer is 90% water, if you're not having any ADH around or having any ADH that can have an impact because it's being blocked, you're just 
it's all coming right out of you. And yeah, I mean, it, it, we all know that by, you know, if you have a lot the next day, you're quite dehydrated and you're like, oh, I don't get it. I had, you know, this many ounces of beer, right, 10 beers, I should have found water. How, how come I'm so dehydrated? I can barely talk, you know, and it's, it's cause all that water just went straight through cause the ADH gets blocked. Yes. Yeah. So that's the mechanism of that. So if you do drink, you're going out, just make sure you don't go to bed drunk for one, you know, it's like, right. yeah. that's number one, but two, try to hydrate as that's much what, as you can. I, I always tell, yeah, you know, I, one for one, ideally understanding that the ADH is still going to be blocked. So even the water you're drinking in real time, you're probably going to peel out of that out too. But so then when, whenever you're sort of done for the night, really focus then on, yeah, making sure you're, you stay hydrated also. And then, I mean, all that extra urine output too. I mean, you, you just by the, the, the sheer flow of urine, the, the volume that's coming out, you tend to pee out of some potassium. That's why people kind of have cramping the next day, maybe magnesium. You can pee out uh, alcohol actually has a direct impact on the tubules. It makes you pee out magnesium and that can actually last for weeks. So it's not just the, the volume and the water that you're not holding on to, but some of your electrolytes can get impacted too. You know, eat, eat healthy, obviously, because that has those, you know, you've got those minerals in there, but also magnesium supplementation, as I mentioned earlier, is always a good idea about, I think it's about maybe 60 to 70% of people are magnesium deficient in general. So it runs rampant. So it's always good to just supplement yourself with magnesium. Are you struggling with reaching your health goals? Do you feel like you need extra help to achieve your desired level of wellness? Well, we're here to tell you that you're not alone. Our website at peakwellnesshealth.com, which is linked in the show notes below, offers a variety of resources to help you on your journey towards optimal health. One of the most popular resources is the 10-Day Body Reset Course which is designed to teach you about diet, sleep, meditation, exercise, and how to lower your blood sugar, blood pressure, body fat, and improve your biomarkers all in just 10 days. Our program is comprehensive yet easy to follow, and we've seen amazing results for those who have completed it. But that's not all. We offer a body optimization course, which teaches you how to lose fat and build muscle. Our program is tailored towards your individual needs and goals so that you can be sure that you're getting the most effective guidance. And if you need even more personalized support, we offer one-on-one -on -one consultations. During these sessions, we'll work with you to create a personalized plan that takes into account your unique circumstances, preferences, and goals. Visit peakwellnesshealth.com today and take the first step towards achieving your health goals. Okay, let's talk about a couple more questions. Water toxicity. Yeah. Is it a real thing? What is, what is water toxicity all about? By and large, no, is, is, is the short answer there. If you have normal kidney function, it shouldn't be much of an impact. You know, it's if you, and you, you'll notice it on a day. If you drink, if right now after this podcast, you go and you drink two liters of water quickly in about an hour and a half, you're going to probably go pee a lot and it's going to be very clear. It can be an issue for, for some patients in particular, if you have abnormal kidney function, because when you have chronic kidney disease, you don't manage salt and water like you should. You you aren't going to have the appropriate responses to antidiuretic hormone or other hormones that our, our body uses to manage salt and water. And so you can actually get too much water. And the way it manifests is that your sodium, which is sort of, you know, the, the main electrolyte in, in our blood that sort of helps maintain our concentration, our osmolality, will we'll get just lower and we can see that. 
Similarly, if, if somebody has abnormal liver function or abnormal heart function, other things where they're essentially going to be volume sensitive, you certainly could have too much. Uh, patients who take in a massive, massive amount of water in a very, very short period of time acutely could lower their sodiums. That's something we typically call psychogenic polydipsia because it's typically only in the setting of some underlying psychological disorder because it, your body's not going to want you to take in that volume of water that quickly. And so it really has to be some sort of underlying process that's driving you that way. The other time you can see it is just an overall malnutrition. If your sort of water or volume intake relative to your solute intake, so the solid things I'm eating, is out, off, then that'll cause sort of low sodiums and that imbalance, sort of what we like to call a tea and toast diet or beer potomania. If you're just not getting any nutrition, but you're taking in large volumes of fluid. But even then, that's more of just a sodium thing. It's not necessarily water toxicity. Okay. Yeah. And I, I do remember actually a couple of things come to mind. One is, you know, in the hospital, I'd see this not infrequently as somebody with, as you mentioned, psychogenic polydipsia or taking in too much free water, or we call it tea and toast diet. Basically, you need a certain amount of osms to assess all that water. It just, you can't just drink free water and process it without taking some kind of solute. Yeah, our, our kidneys have a, a, a limited concentrating and diluting ability. They're really, really good at it. But at the end of the day, they can only concentrate or dilute your urine so much. And that range becomes less and less as you have abnormal kidney function. That's why it's easier to have too much. But yeah, I, I mean, and your kidneys are very good at diluting your urine, but you can't overcome it, especially if you're not giving it any sort of osmolar load to, to help balance. Like if your nutrition's just really not where it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. So it is out there. There was a contest called No Pee for We. I don't know if you remember this, Kevin, but do you remember this contest? Where yeah. There was I, a, there's a Wii, you know, when we were growing up, it's the the Nintendo Wiis that everybody would play with. Yes. Actually, maybe that was even beyond our, beyond our youth. But there was like a radio contest where people would drink as much water as they can and not pee. Right. Whoever could, whoever could hold it the longest would get the wee. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Campuses. And then one person ended up having a seizure, you know, because, right. of, because of, you know, water toxicity. So, I, it, which means I, it was the sodium dropped so much with the free water intake. So that's something, you know, like if you do something crazy like that, yes, you can get, you can get toxic. But if you just follow your, you know, what you feel naturally, you're usually okay. Now, I, I guess the one, maybe the other caveat would be when people are running or, you know, going for a very strenuous hike, they're sweating a lot. They're just yes. taking free water. And Absolutely. That could be a, that could be a problem. Yeah. And, and that again, it's, it's, it's a ratio thing again, too, though. So you've tasted sweat, right? It, it's salty. And so what tends to happen there is it, it's again, not necessarily that they just happen to take in too much water because almost all those people are still kind of, you know, they've lost so much, but they're replacing salt and water with just water. And so, you know, fortunately recently, you know, at, at these running places now, they'll either have gel packs or, you know, some sort of supplement that, you know, like you mentioned, a lot of them are, are sugar-based, but even in that scenario, just have something with it to kind of match that osmolar load. But if it's just, just water, you know, it's the same idea as if you're having, you know, profound diarrhea, you know, it, it, it seems like it's just water coming out, but there's actually, you know, sodium and other things there too. And you've got to replace it with some osmolar, but in a race, it's in such a, an acute time frame 
that, you know, what, what's happening is, yeah, they're losing salt and water. You got to replace it with salt and water. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're, if you're in the, those situations, mixing electrolytes, there's some, there's some nice hydration packs too, that you can buy. You just mix, mix the electrolytes in the water and drink that. That's fine. You don't have to go with the Gatorade or, you know, all the Powerade or these sugary drinks. It's yeah, you know, yeah. The, the sugar in there. I mean, as you said, you can, sugar is it's fine if obviously if you need it, but if you're trying to avoid that sugar intake, which you should, then that's the way to go. Right. Absolutely. And then last question is creatine. So many people, there's a lot of good data supporting creatine for muscle growth and muscle building. Many people take it. Does creatine have an effect on your creatinine or your, you know, the measure of your kidney function? Right. So, so our muscles are always turning over. And that's why creatinine has historically been a pretty good marker for kidney functions because it, it's made by your body at a fairly steady state and it only leaves your body through the kidney. So that's how we came to use that for a kidney function test. Creatine is the waste product of your muscle turnover. Creatinine is the waste product of your muscles turning over. Creatine is the precursor to that. And so that's why you can build muscle when you're taking creatine. So the, the direct impact is that if you take creatine and build more muscle over time, your creatinine almost certainly will rise. Not necessarily just because you're taking creatine, but because you've actually built more muscle. Again, going back to the, you know, a creatinine of 1.6 and LeBron versus Judge Judy sort of idea where more muscle means a higher creatinine. The, the potential risk or downside or where people get concerned is when you take creatine, as, as I'm sure it says on the bottles and as everyone's read, you got to stay hydrated because whatever creatine doesn't get, uh, you know, converted into new muscle is going to get filtered and get excreted. And, and, and we can't just pee out extra waste products or solute. It has to go with a volume. And so you're, you're going to lose that extra water. It's the same, same reason undiagnosed diabetics or poorly controlled diabetics pee so much is because all that sugar, your, your kidneys can only reabsorb so much and the rest spills over into your urine. Well, you can't pee out sugar. It has to come in liquid. And so it takes all that water with it. And, and so that's the same thing there with creatine. So, you know, usually when I see someone and if their creatine has gone up and they're taking creatine and they say, I'm really good about staying hydrated. I say, okay, you know, if it's not dehydration, then, you know, we can test to see how concentrated your urine is, how well hydrated you are, or hold it for a little bit. Let's kind of see what happens because if, if you stop it and you're, you're still drinking a lot of water and it doesn't move, then yeah, maybe this is just a muscle mass and you've put on a lot of muscle sort of a thing. But the big key there is stay hydrated, stay hydrated, stay hydrated. Yes. Excellent. Awesome. Kevin, this was, this is great. Before I let you go, there were some case studies we we're talking about earlier where yes. there are indeed patients that really focus on preventative or they have CKD, they're focusing on lifestyle changes to improve and they do in fact improve to a certain degree. So, yeah, you know, it is, it is possible to do this. This is not yeah. just. So, so the, yeah, the, 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 a, a big part of the, the recommendations for, from a dietary standpoint for, for CKD is to, to cut back on protein intake to some degree. And in particular, you know, your, your animal proteins, in particular, red meat. And, and the idea there is in some, you know, mouse studies, they know that high protein, a very high protein diet can cause some hyperfiltration of these glomeruli and some increase in glomerular pressures and has an association with therefore abnormal kidney disease. The, the funniest thing about it, or not funniest, but 
is that, you know, we have a very high protein diet relative to sort of guidelines anyway. They, if you have abnormal kidney function, chronic kidney disease, they call for about 0.6 milligrams per kilogram of your ideal body weight per day and in protein intake. And so that's sort of been the guideline there. And what they, but what they've looked at in some other studies where they took patients who were diabetic or some studies that non-diabetics and they had abnormal kidney function, the GFR, or about 70%. So about 70% kidney function of where it's, what it should be and some protein in your urine. And they put these people on, you know, a, a low fat diet or the Mediterranean diet or in, in one study, even a low carbohydrate diet. And they said, okay, let's just see what happens there. And interestingly, the, the patients in the low carbohydrate diet had about a 20% increase in their protein intake. And so they thought, is this going to have a, a negative impact? But what they found was across the board, all three of those groups actually did very well. They all had a reduction in their creatinine. They all had a, a, a decrease in the protein in their urine. And what they found when they looked back at the data to tease out what was going on is that they, they found that everyone in those groups who lost weight, had a better blood pressure and decreased insulin resistance were the ones that kind of skewed the data to the, the group's favor. And so it, it, while, you know, the, the recommendation remains to, to cut back on some of your animal protein intake, the bigger take home point from that was just find a healthier diet that you can stick to. And that works for you. Your blood pressure comes down, your insulin resistance comes down. That's what has the big impact, whether it's Mediterranean, low fat, whatever, just get something that works for you that you can stick with and improves all of those sort of metabolic abnormalities that were causing the problem in the first place. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, protein intake is important at baseline. Like, you know, you, the ideal plate would be three quarters vegetables and then a, a handful of protein in that plate. So it's, and oftentimes people don't get enough protein. Now, if you're talking about chronic kidney disease or people leaking protein from their urine, which happens with chronic kidney disease, then you have to think about, you know, maybe, maybe curtail some of that intake. Or if you're taking too much, talk to your doctor about how much yeah. you should eat. But it, it, in the U.S., most people, the average is about 1.2 grams per kilogram. Is, is the average intake? Or, intake, yeah. Uh, you know, so, so I mean, it, and you know, it's uh, the meat and potatoes and, you know, yeah. the, you know, a lot more, like you said, uh, a fist size, you talk to, you know, everyone that talk about like a chicken breast, the size of your palm, you know, and that's not what they serve at some of the restaurants around here, you know, <laughs> like right. the head. Right. So, yeah, a bit more, even still with that, you know, it, it depends what your goals are as well. So we could, we will have, we can have a whole discussion about protein, but it really depends what your goals are because I, if your goals are to, or, or for longevity, it's really decreased protein is, you know, is shown and Walter Longo has, He's one of the premier researchers in longevity science, and he's shown that less protein is better for longevity. If you're looking at, you know, the other extreme where you're trying to really focus on muscle building. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Then you want to take a higher protein intake yes. so that, you know, up to like, you know, one, one kilogram per pound, which will equate to like two, one gram per pound equate to maybe about two, two grams protein, per yeah. kilogram. Yeah. Or, or even more. You're matching that with the exercise and muscle growth yes. like purposefully. Yes. You know? Yes. And yes. so, yeah, it, it's, it, it would make, it's like a growing child. You know, you're like all of a sudden your kid's eating twice as much as they used to. And you're like, oh, but that's it, because the next thing you know, you have to buy them all new clothes. And yeah. so if you're purposefully matching that, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't think that's going to be an issue at all. Right. 
for yeah. sure. Because because it has to be in that whole spectrum of I got a, I got a big goal here, like you were saying. What, right. what what's your goal? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's yeah, it's important to think about those things. A lot of nuances here, but uh, but yes, great great discussion, Kevin. I, I appreciate all this. How can people get in touch with you or even see you in practice? Our group, as you mentioned, is Virginia Nephrology Group Seven Hundred Three Kidneys is rolls over to our office. We've got the same number. Yep. That's the easiest way to track us all down. And yeah, we're in Northern Virginia. We're the, the biggest group around here. So, And we'll, we'll link your practice in the show notes as well. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks, Kevin. I really appreciate having you on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, please make sure to hit the subscribe and the like button and leave a comment about what you'd like to see on our future episodes. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only, does not substitute for professional care, nor does it constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for medical care, please seek a qualified doctor or medical professional. For more information, or if you'd like to check out our programs, please visit our website, peakwellnesshealth.com. That's peakwellnesshealth.com.